Well, I don't know if you can tell, but I am a UConn fan. Cindy and I are both UConn grads, and we are UConn fans, and uh, my schedule doesn't allow for me to watch as many sports as I would like, but generally in the season of March, I try to carve out some time and watch uh, my favorite team uh, play basketball, and uh, the men did not do very well. They were out of the uh, series very early, but the women who continue to be a juggernaut are just uh, doing a great job, and it is so fun for us to uh, be able to watch these games. And this past week, I want to catch you up on some of the highlights uh, from some of my uh, watching of TV. On Monday night, um, UConn played a team, uh, University of Central Florida, UCF, and on Monday night, they barely won. It was a barn burner of a game. It was very, very close. Uh, UConn only really scored about 30% of their shots. Um, they were down uh, for much of the time. UCF has a tremendous defense, and I just watched as the women uh, really struggled against this defense. And I was on the couch uh, sitting on the edge of my seat. I was anxious uh, throughout the night, and it came down to the wire. There's adrenaline coursing through my body. I could feel it. And here's the thing. The game didn't start until 9 o'clock on Monday. Now, if you know me, you know that at 10 o'clock, I turn into a pumpkin. So I need my sleep, I need my beauty rest, and so watching a game that started at 9 o'clock and went into the evening hours, getting anxious, getting amped up, I can tell you that Cindy and I did not sleep well uh, Monday into Tuesday. That was a tough night for us, um, but it was, it was a fun game for us to watch. Uh, and then UConn played again yesterday for another great game. They won by a sizable margin, uh, but that game, it was another tough fight. Uh, it was a fight for them to win. And, you know, I was thinking about this after the games this past week, thinking about this yesterday, in fact. I was thinking about the team, and I was thinking about how the women, they had to fight on Monday night. They had to fight down to within just a few points they won. And that game that they fought on Monday night, it undoubtedly uh, it prepared them for Saturday afternoon's game, right? The fight that they had on Monday prepared them for the game that they played on Saturday. I don't know what they talked about in the in the, the, the room afterwards, in the locker room, or during the weeks of practice, but my guess is that the challenges that they faced on Monday were something that they thought through, planned about, and worked through so that they, when they came to the game on Saturday, they were more prepared on Saturday. Struggle makes us better. That's the point of what I'm trying to say. Struggle makes us better. If they hadn't had the fight on Monday, they would not be as prepared as they were for Saturday. Struggling is never fun. We don't like the thought that we might lose something or the anxiety that comes when we're in a tough place in life. But the threat of losing, the threat of losing, and the thrill of succeeding is all part of life. And that struggle that we face at times, it makes us better. We're coming today to the closing pages of our chapter's story here of Esther. The fact that you were made for this moment, Max Lucado's book. And and today we're learning, as we wrap up this series, the story of Esther and all of these pages that we've been looking through, the story we've been reading, all of them is this theme that struggle makes us better. It's been a roller coaster ride as we've, as we've been introduced to Esther and to Mordecai, as we've been introduced to King Xerxes and Haman. We've seen how centuries of hatred have culminated into this person of Haman. And Haman, as you remember, all he wanted to do was to kill, to kill Mordecai, to kill the Jews. He wanted to kill his family. He wanted to wipe Mordecai and all the Jews off the face of the earth. But then we watch through this story as God did the unimaginable. And as God turned, would turn the tables on Haman. The Jews who were set up for extinction were now given new life. 
and they were able to protect themselves from the people who were trying to kill them. And then in the final twist of the story, Mordecai, who was on death row under Haman's rule, he was on death row, was now elevated to this position of success and uh, authority, the king's right-hand man, went from a place of being on death row to this amazing place. And after all of this, after all the story that we're talking about, this is where we pick up our story today in Esther chapter 9, verses 20 through 22. And so here's what we're looking at this morning. Mordecai uh, says this. Mordecai re- it says this. Mordecai recorded these events and sent letters to the Jews near and far throughout all the provinces of King Xerxes, calling on them to celebrate an annual festival on these two days. He told them to celebrate these days with feasting and with gladness and by giving of gifts of food to each other and presents to the poor. This would commemorate a time when the Jews gained relief from their enemies and when their sorrow was turned into gladness and their mourning into joy. Our struggles in life, they make us stronger and they make us better. Esther and her family, they endured hardship. They endured pain. They endured almost certain death. But in the end, what they received was salvation. That that salvation caused Mordecai to send letters out throughout all the land instructing people to to celebrate and to feast and to give gifts to each other and to party like it's 1999. They just wanted to go out and celebrate to remember when their sorrow had been turned to gladness. Essentially, after this experience, Mordecai said, never forget, never forget, let's do this. The struggles in life are never fun, but they always are there to make us better. And on the other side of these struggles, we want to remember the hardship, and we want to remember so that we can celebrate. We can celebrate the win. When you think back on your struggles in life, whatever your struggles might have been, wherever you are, when you think back to your struggles, and all of us have had them, All of us have had struggles in life. When you think back to some of those toughest struggles, at the end, when you came through that tough place, did you take time to celebrate? Did you take time to celebrate? Because here's the thing. How do you celebrate when you've made it through a valley in your life? It's important for us to take time to do that because celebrating is a critical step. It's a critical step in not forgetting where we've been. And so did you take time to celebrate? How do you celebrate when you've faced a difficult time? You know, a number of months ago, probably about a year ago now, um, it was in the middle of COVID, I started a, um, a program, an online program, uh, with a man named Don Miller. Don Miller has a program called Business Made Simple. And uh, in that program, Don Miller taught me through a day planner. He taught me kind of how to start my day. I've kind of mentioned this at times. And, and part of the process is taking time to do devotional work, but also um, is to review your daily goals, to re- review your life goals, to review what your vision is for yourself in the future. And so you set goals, you review your appointments, you do this. And I, I got to tell you, I don't do it every day. I, I, I strive to, but I don't do it every day. I keep trying to do it more and more. I keep trying to make sure I include this as part of my routine because I'm all about... Um, progress, not perfection, right? None of us can be perfect. So I just keep trying to progress. I keep trying to add this day planner in my life. 
And as I read through this thing day after day after day, uh, there are these notes that, that Don Miller has given us, an outline, for, if you will, for how you can go through your day. And he says, I want you to identify the three main primary tasks of your day, whatever it happens to be. And so he sets out number one, number two, and number three. And then underneath each task, whatever it is, he gives you like two lines to, to just label the task. Underneath that, he has another line that says reward. What is your reward? So your primary task, once you accomplish that, are you thinking about how you're going to reward yourself for having accomplished the thing that is on your list? What will you do to rest from your work or reward yourself for accomplishing your task? And as I said, I'm still working on this. I'm still trying to incorporate this into my life, especially that reward part, because the truth is, it's really hard for me to think about that. I'm not a person who thinks about rewarding myself for the task that I do. I do a task, I move on to the next task. I do the next task, I move on to the next, ta next task. I don't take time to reward myself for those tasks that are just part of my day. But he's adamant about this. He says you need to actually take time to do your primary task and then give yourself a reward for that. It's important for us to do that. Why? It's important for us to celebrate the win, what you've just accomplished. Because here's the thing, what you reward tends to get repeated. What you reward in life tends to get repeated. So when you face a struggle, when you make it through something, a complete, uh, or you complete a difficult task, then reward yourself. By doing that, you're remembering where you came from and what you accomplished and all the hard work that you put into that thing that you just did. And the reward tells you, I can do this again. I made it through the hard thing, I can do it again. I made it through the hard thing, I can do it again. I made it through the hard thing, I can do it again. That reward helps you and, and reminds you that you can do that the next time you face a challenging moment. Our struggles exist in life and they push us and they make life harder, but when we push through them, when we draw strength from faith and we draw near to Jesus, when we seek counsel from others, when we speak to our friends and we speak to our mentors and counselors, when we learn to rely on the Holy Spirit of God and trust that God has has us, that he will be with us and help us do this thing that we're working through as we're learning through the study of Esther. When we push through our struggles and we lean on God, we find our struggles make us stronger and they make us better. And that is a reason to celebrate. That is a reason for us to celebrate. The other reason we need to celebrate a win or after we have a win is that you and I, we have horrible memories. We have horrible memories. We're the worst at keeping a record. We are so bad at remembering. We tend to forget and we quickly forget. And so we need to celebrate in order to remember what we have been through. In, in the story of Esther, Mordecai, he wrote to all the land, right? He wrote a decree and he sent it to all the land, instructing the people to celebrate. That is exactly what our Jewish friends and neighbors just did during Purim. Just a week and a half ago, they celebrated Purim. And it's a day that is designed to celebrate the moment when God turned mourning into joy. He turned death and sorrow into life and gladness. On Purim, the story of Esther is read aloud. That's what the, our, our Jewish friends do, that they read the story of Esther aloud. And then gifts are exchanged. And food is given to the poor. And there's a feast by all the people and celebration of what God has done. 
That's what happens during Purim. It's a wonderful day. Our Jewish friends, they remember their history and they celebrate God's goodness. That's what's happening there. Now, when we go through a challenging time, it's good for us to celebrate and it's good for us to worship. Celebrating helps us stay grounded and remember what we've experienced and worship helps us remember what God has done and what God has delivered us through as we've come through the hardship. Friends, in a few weeks, we're going to be doing just this. We are going to be remembering and we are going to be worshiping the greatest news that's ever been given. Right? It is the message of Jesus Christ being sent into the world for the salvation of all people. That is the greatest news. Just, just the other day, I was on social media. I was looking at some things, and, and I heard a, a message on social media from Pastor Tim Keller. It was probably about 90 seconds long. It was a video clip of, of Pastor Tim uh, out of New York City, and he was speaking about what Easter is all about. And he made this striking comment that I wrote down and I want to share with you. It's been sticking with me for the last couple of days. And this is what Pastor Tim said. He said, Jesus Christ came and lived the life that we should have lived and died the death we should have died. Jesus Christ came and he lived the life we should have lived and he died the death we should have died. He lived the perfect life. And so therefore he earned God's blessing. But then at the end of his life, he went to the cross and he took the curse that you deserve. All of your sins and what you deserve, the penalty for sin, it falls on him. It falls on Jesus. And all the blessing that Jesus earned from living a sinful, uh, sinless life, it falls on you. The blessing comes to you. This is a radical, radical understanding of God's grace. And this is the good news. Jesus Christ lived the life we should have lived, and he died the death we should have died. When we celebrated Easter, when we've got flowers up here and we're singing those songs that we love to sing and there's that music that's coming, we are coming together for an annual celebration to remember an important truth every single day. It's a truth that is with us every single day. Easter exists so that we don't forget that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Because friends, let's face it. Let's face it. It's easy for us to forget that truth. It's easy for us to forget that truth. If we're honest, how many of us live every single day like it's Easter Sunday? We don't. And yet we should. We could. We don't, and yet every day is a day to celebrate and to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me so that we can live at peace with God forever and ever. We need Easter in our life because it reminds us, because we forget so often. We forget so often. Easter reminds us of God's love, God's big win over sin, God's win over Satan and his schemes to steal, kill, and destroy. We celebrate Easter to remember the truth that this is not the end. Life is not the end. John 16, 33 says that in this life you will have struggles, but take heart. Why? Because Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. In the final pages of his uh, book here, Max Lucado, he shares a bit of insight when he says, the book of Esther does not end in a victory in battle, but it ends with a call to remember. I love that. The book of Esther isn't about a, a victory in, in a battle that's won. The end of Esther ends with a call to remember. 
Mordecai sends this letter out to all the world to remember and to celebrate. And that's how I'd like for us to close this series as well. I'd like us to close with a call to remember for each of us. In this world, you will have trouble, but whatever your struggle, whatever your situation, whatever your conflict, whatever you are doing in life that is causing you this struggle, I want you to reframe your struggle. Reframe your struggle. The way you see your struggle. The struggle you are facing will make you better if you give that struggle over to God. It doesn't mean the struggle goes away, but as you give it over to God, it will make you stronger. It will make you better. How do I know that? Because this morning, you woke up. This morning, you and I, we woke up. If you woke up today and you're listening to this message right now, God is not done with you. No matter what you're struggling, no matter what you're facing, God is not done with you. Yes, your life could be a mess. Yes, you may have enemies that are on all sides and they are pressing in from every which way. Yes, you might be in a spot where you can't see the way out. But if you are breathing, God has a plan for you and he can still work through you. The story of Esther is a call for all of us to remember that God can flip any story on its head. He can turn anything around and he can resurrect life out of death. And so our struggles in life, they are not easy. Life has its challenges. It requires resilience and perseverance and trust. But when God is in the mix, anything is possible. Anything is possible. And that pressure that you're feeling, God can use that to make you stronger and make you better, even more than you ever thought possible. So when trouble arrives on your doorstep, reframe how you see it. As Max Lucado likes to say, meditate less on the mess and more on the master. Right? Focus less on the problems and more on his power. The struggle is part of the journey. Don't fear it. Respect it. Respect that the struggle is there, but then step forward, trusting that God will use that struggle in your life. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, I am so grateful to you for this day. I thank you for this incredible story of Esther and what you have walked us through and, and what we have learned. And Lord, this call to remember, I pray that it would, it would go deep. It would, it would build deep roots into our hearts and into our minds today, Lord, that that we as a church would walk away from here uh, remembering that you are with us in every struggle, in every heartache, uh, in every time of, of need. And so, Lord, we pray that we would remember the story of Esther with fondness, and we would remember that you can turn anything on its head, that you can bring life out of death. And we pray this today in Jesus' name.